Hi, welcome to Shaky Sports Journeys. Thank you for joining us. Whether you're joining on YouTube, please be subscribing for free. And as well as that, you can catch it on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to catch your, your podcast. Great guest for you today. Um, first time for me. I've had people from many different sports um, on the podcast, uh, but this is something different. So I'm really curious to hear all about it and the journey as well. I'm talking about uh, Scottish, ex-Scottish um, volleyball internationalist, as well as uh, ex-Team GB as well, Olympian, captain, quite an impressive guest to have. I'm talking about Lynn Beatty. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Yeah, nice to see you. Lovely to see you as well. Um, I kind of caught Lynn by surprise. I think she thought we were having an initial chat today, and then I was quick to inform her that oh, we're actually recording the podcast today. Um, so she's all right. She's, she's in the hot all seat. Good. <laughs> so let, let, let's start by going back. I'm going to try and get your memory going. Um, tell me, you're born 23rd of December 1985. Tell me a bit about where you were born, where you grew up, family, childhood, a bit of everything. Right, so um, I grew up in the south side of Glasgow in a little village called Eaglesham. Um, yeah, you know, family really into sport. Um, was involved in just about every sport you can think of from a young age. Um, have very early memories of watching the Olympics on TV. And yeah, just it was just a really big part of my life growing up. So when you say a lot that you, you would take to any sports, what kind of sports are we talking that you would you, you gave a go, go at when you were younger? Uh, oh, anything, football, badminton, uh, basketball. I was really into athletics until about the age of 16. Ran for a club called Gifnut North in the south side of Glasgow. Um, and then probably around the age of 16, 17, I decided to take volleyball on more seriously. Where did the volleyball come from? I mean, it's it's a sport I know well. You see enough of it, but I mean, I don't know. I've never come across anybody who's says I play at a volleyball club, you know, you hear badminton, tennis, other things, you don't hear it that often. So how did it come from your family or did you just take a liking to it when you tried it? Yeah, so probably the very first, very first experience I had of it was my sister. So my big sister, four years older than me, um, she had played volleyball at school and would come back home and kind of practice in the garden and stuff. So initially it was, it was through my sister you know, mucking about in the back garden. And then um, when I transitioned from primary school up to high school, they ran like a, a summer volleyball camp. So that was really my first experience of volleyball. Um, a chance to meet new people. Um, some of my friends were going along as well. So it was just kind of that, breaking myself into that high school environment. But I absolutely loved the sport. It was a team sport. Um, and, you know, I spoke to some teachers at that point and, you know, they said I had some potential. So I kind of had that in the back of my mind about about trying the sport and, you know, pushing forward with it. But at that point, at the age of 12, you know, you're just you're just trying lots of different things. And, um, yeah, just really enjoyed it. We get trips out of school. We got to go and play in tournaments, which was always a bonus. Um, but, yeah, just really enjoyed that social aspect. Um, and then kind of further into high school maybe around 16 I joined a volleyball club in Glasgow called Surigatsi um, and just that's probably when I started to think yeah I really like this sport I, I want to take this a little bit more seriously. You mentioned that it's a team sport now I've seen it played in pairs um, which tends to be I think we can talk about that later but beach that's like the beach volleyball that you see 
How many is it, remind me please, on the court in like a normal volleyball match? Six on court at one time. Um, so normally you've got about a squad of 12 to 14 players, uh, but there's only six on court at, at one time. And can you sub as many times as you want in volleyball? Yeah, I'd not, I need to go back to my indoor rules, but I think you can sub um, several times, several players indoors in one set. Um, so you can sub in and out. But as you said, beach volleyball, the rules are slightly different. There's no subs. You've not got no coach by your side. Um, so it's just the two of you out there kind of exposed to the world. So, um, so yeah, you are allowed subs in volleyball. It's a really, it's a tough sport. And I know it from, from, giving it a go on a few beaches, not very well, right enough. Um, but even on the kind of hard indoor surface, there's a lot of jumping, sh- stretching, you know, how what kind of fitness goes into volleyball? What kind of training do you need to do to play at that kind of level? Yeah, I mean, I suppose power is a huge element in the sport. So, um, you know, hitting the ball hard, being fast across the ground, um, being explosive, um, so lots of plyometrics, uh, lots of, of, of strength work in the gym, um, but a lot of it's very technical. So lots of reps and, and working on your technique from a from a young age is really important. And I suppose, you know, beach and indoor volleyball, there's there's a lot of similarities. Um, and both, you know, playing both from a young age would be something that I'd advise because they both help each other out a little bit. Do you, uh, what kind of injuries can be, what kind of injuries do, they must get a few, like ankles must twist and lower backs, I can imagine. Tell tell me what you've seen or if you've experienced any injuries. I've seen touch wood, I've been, um, I've been relatively, relatively safe, but ankles are a big one. If you're close to the net with people, you can land on people's feet and things and you can roll your ankle. Knees are a big one Um, and shoulders um, just with that kind of overhead action. Um, so yeah, those are probably the three the three main ones. Thankfully, I've not had anything too bad. Um, I had a, a an injury maybe about eight years ago when I was transitioning from indoor to beach volleyball and just kind of overdid it and I tore my plantar fascia on the bottom of my foot, which wasn't a very <laughs> pleasant one. But the recovery was relatively quick, so not too bad. Uh, I can imagine it was pretty painful at, <laughs> at, at the time. Um, so you played at the club. Um, by this point, you're obviously into the sport now. You know, this is kind of your chosen yeah. sport. You've gone through high school, school, tried a lot of different sports, but you were getting to that point. You've got to that point now where you've kind of made that decision. How quickly did you rise up to kind of start to play at really competitive and then get towards playing international level? So um, I got my first cap for Scotland when I was 17. Wow. The youngest player on the team at that point. Um, and after that first experience, the first cap was against England at the Kelvin Hall. Um, so it was a great, great experience. And after that, I was just really hungry to to get more of that. Um, and then by the age of 20, I was the captain of the, the Scottish team. Uh, and at that point, there was probably rumours that the Olympics in 2012 would be in London. So that was kind of a carrot that was, you know, dangling there for me. Um but there was nothing kind of set in stone by that point. So my aspirations at that at that age was to try and go away once I'd finished university and um, to go and play professionally in, in European leagues across, yeah, across Europe. So at that point, that was my ambition. Um, and then in 2006, when London won the bid to host the Olympics, 
um yeah a lot of us you know we we moved down to Sheffield we trialed for that team and all of a sudden I'm in a squad um in a British squad um preparing for an Olympic game so it did escalate pretty quickly um but yeah I just always wanted to challenge myself at that next level and and the Olympics are obviously the pinnacle of anyone's sporting career so I was going to do everything to try and to try and achieve that. What an experience as I said you know just going back through some of that like it really was kind of you went from like playing at high school as probably more of a social enjoyment you were obviously good club and then you 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 took to that scene very well. I mean, if you played against England, your first game as a seventeen-year-old youngest player, strikes me that you were very mature for your age and able to handle that kind of pressure. You know, I've you know played sport at a good level myself, but at that age, you're kind of feeling your way into it. Or if you play at a young age, you're just. But then by twenty, you've obviously earned the respect of your peers. You've gone through that period, and they've they've chosen you as as, as to be a leader as. Um, yeah, big pat in the back. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed. That's uh, to handle all that at a young age is, 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 a, is a great achievement, and it obviously got noticed not just in Scotland, but wider as well because you go on to compete in the Olympics as a as a captain. Yeah, I mean, I probably um, give a lot of credit to the people who were around me at that point when I was 17. Um, the captain of the Scottish team at that point. Um, was a a legend of the game, Sandra Grubb, who who taught me a lot and um, she encouraged me a lot at that age to kind of strive for the higher level in the sport. Um, So I learned a lot from her and then just throughout my experiences, there was people around me that really supported my progress. Um, And then into the British programme, you're all of a sudden at that higher level with lots of players, not just one or two players, but lots of players around you that are of that that same level and pushing to be better and pushing to get into that team and I think it was just that that ambition I had and that drive I had to be the best I could possibly be every day that um, caught the eye of some of the coaches Um, and yeah I suppose probably not not your most vocal kind of leader um, as some might perceive a leader to be it was more around that kind of leading by example um, and just kind of supporting other players to be the best we can be as a team that that was the reason I ended up being in that role and something I'm very proud of and and you know honoured to have been um, captain both of the Scottish team and the, and the British team going to the Olympics. So talk to me about your Olympic experience then. Um, feel free to tell me any little bits of little stories in there or something you remember that's just kind of you, you'll never forget. Um, but I mean that, but. But anybody out with from other sports, I don't think we really like cricket. It's never a sport. This, although it's been talked about in recent times, it's not in the Olympics. I, so I played cricket. I did play football as well. But even football only has I had a little bit of a presence. It's never really taken off in, in the Olympics. But so I've never really had that. I never wanted to go to the Olympics as a sports person. But for anybody out with that, when you're in a sport that the the Olympics is a pinnacle of that. So to be there and represent your country, what is that? What or your or your nation in Great Britain? What's that like? It it really was kind of everything. It sounds a bit cliche, but it was everything you kind of you dream of it being. Um, we we played in a venue called Earls Court, fifteen thousand people screaming, you wow. know, Team GB, 
and as the captain you obviously you walk out first uh, into that arena um and it's you know nothing can replicate that and we did we did try we did we worked with sports sites uh, and other members of staff like in the in the preparations leading up to that to try and prepare us in the best possible way but nothing is ever going to prepare you for you know pulling on the olympic kit and walking out there in front of 15,000 fans um so it really was an amazing experience um probably what I, what I would add is our journey to that point was was one of a lot of fun um but it, there was a lot of adversity in there as well um we had some challenges around kind of funding and some players having to go off uh, and compete abroad and then come back and um we lived in a fire station in the summer leading up to the Olympic Games um, as a solution to some financial uh, kind of challenges that we had. And our coach was working behind the scenes to try and get all the players a solution to accommodation and food and everything. So ended up... How, we... did, you get, how did that get arranged? Was it a closed-down fire, fire? Or were they actually were they on duty while, you, the, while the GB volleyball yeah. team was just... Really, it was, well, it was a it was an active development center. So there right, was, okay. some, uh, you know, firefighters in there doing their training. We actually did a a bit of a team building exercise with them. We went into like burning buildings and stuff, and um, abseiled down. You know, the big tower that they have at the yep, training yep. centers, um, and we did a bit of volleyball with them as well. So there was a bit of um, bit of team building there. Um, but I think that kind of experience of everyone being under the one roof and uh, it really pushed us to be the best kind of team, have the best team dynamics we possibly could and, and really uh, pushed us to to be a, a really well-performing team when it came to the Olympics. So there was lots of um, kind of random experiences that we we had in the lead up to, to the Olympic Games, some that other other sports wouldn't have had to deal with, but I think that was all in, in the beauty of the experience and, and made us stronger for it. So... I'm just thinking, though, you know, when you think about that fire, you know, um, our fire rescue fighters, it's all built on team ethos. Yeah. They have to work. And, like, so they were actually in some ways, although you never got the funding and the fair opportunity that maybe a lot of other sports were getting where they were sitting in a nice hotel, you know, had everything kind of for them, you had to kind of do it the hard way. But that right there, it almost sounds to me like it was a, you know, a pre-camp preparation yeah. for going into the yeah. challenge ahead. And I'm sure mixing mixing shoulders with the fire rescue fighters must have been kind of just built up your 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 team strength and kind of that you were ready for any challenge ahead. That's what it kind of sounds like to me. Yeah, it just, it seemed to be in that, um, we were just in that kind of performance environment. And obviously, you know, playing sport is not even on the same level as what firefighters have to do in going out and saving lives. But it certainly felt like you know they have to go out and perform, and they just they just go and do it. And that was we kind of learned a lot from being in that elite environment. And um, yeah, we definitely learned a lot. And they were just a brilliant bunch of people to be around. So, um, nice. so yeah, definitely, I wouldn't have changed that experience for the world. It was like you said, it made it very special, and certainly helped helped us on the court as well. So the actual, you, you know, you talk about you can't prepare for playing in front of fifteen thousand people. And that kind of that buzz of being at the Olympics. How did you get on? Um, and how did you handle? The, do you think you did yourself justice under the lights, as you would say? Did you play to your your ability and the rest of your teammates? Yeah, absolutely. I think as a team, we you know we exceeded expectations. Um, 
we didn't, you know, we didn't get a medal. We we finished ninth out of twelve teams, but we we got a win on the Olympic stage against a team that were ranked sixteenth, I think, and we were ranked sixty ninth in the world. Wow. So, um, you know, we were competing well above our our level, and just that experience of facing the best teams in the world, the best players in the world through the net, and and you know having a duel with them and winning points off them was just a brilliant experience and. Um, you know we were prepared well um, and yeah I think we definitely did ourselves proud and uh, and enjoyed the experience as well. Volleyball it's quite an aggressive, it comes across quite a, you know it's an aggressive game it's like it's played I mean those smashes and, and the effort that goes into them you know it's a strong you have to be it's a strong I've always struck me as people need to be strong to play is there ever any spice through the net if you know is there ever any kind of you know every sport has a bit of Bit, bit of jip in it here and there, but is that is, is, is that a part of volleyball? It can be. It's obviously a non-contact sport, but there can be a little bit of spice through the net for sure, um, which adds a bit of drama to it. But most of the time, the referees are on top of that, um, you know, and and you know, you end up coming back to your own team if you celebrate through the net. You know, that could be a yellow card and. Um, stuff like that, but it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Um, so there is, there's definitely there is ways to make a wee cheeky jibe here and there where the ref doesn't hear you, you know, as long as it's not abuse or crossing the line, but just letting yeah. your opponent, uh, it just strikes me as that kind of game, you know, you get back with a smash and just let your opponent know the other yeah. side of the net. Tennis has got a bit of it as well. When you watch badminton, there's always a wee bit there, but volleyball, you're in a big group of you. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know whether there's something about the net being in between you that makes you kind of, you know, it gives you that feisty feeling um, <laughs> through the net to each other. But m- most of the time, most players are, are well behaved. But there is, from time to time, there have some moments for sure. Listen, a wee bit of spice, a wee bit of edge that didn't do anyone any harm in a, in a competitive game. Um, you went on as well. This is one I'm really interested in asking about. You played for Team Scotland alongside Mel Coates. Um, in the inaugural Women's Beach Volleyball Tournament. Now, this is what I've watched quite a bit of and I've played a bit of when I've or attempted to when I've been on cricket tours, etc. But what's that like? That's obviously, you said, that's two players. Yeah. High intensity, no rest, no referee. It sounds like it's just free for all. Like, yeah. <laughs> play to, you know, it's hardcore. It is hardcore. There's, there is a referee. There's no coach though. So indoor, you've got a coach by the side. They're ah, sorry, okay, coach, no and doing subs and stuff. But on the beach, you've got no coach. They're in the crowd. They're not allowed to kind of interact with you a bit like tennis. Um, but the although the skills and stuff are the same, the game, as I found out uh, very quickly, was very different to indoor. Um, the mental side of the game, I think, is is very different. Um, it's just the two of you out there, so you've really got to solve problems on your own. You've got to face that adversity on your own. Um, and the physical side of the game is very different as well. So one of my assets in the indoor game was how high I jumped. Um, and all of a sudden I moved over to the sand and found it really hard to jump. So I had to kind of adapt. And um, the patience that that, that took was something um, that I probably didn't expect right at the start. Um you go over as a good indoor player and then all of a sudden you feel like a beginner on the sand. So yeah, that definitely took time. But, you know, as I kind of embraced that change, it was a good time in my career for that change. Um, I was up for the challenge and yeah, very quickly was playing internationally um, with Mel 
and um, played in you know the World Tour event, probably the first time a Scottish team has has done that in um, in history. And then um, beach volleyball got awarded into the 2018 Commonwealth Games, so all of a sudden that became my next goal. And um, we were again, we were out there trying to trying to make history for the sport. So how did you how did you make that adjustment? Um, you're on a hard surface, then you're on the sand, obviously. So that jump, you don't have that spring anymore or that. So what kind of training? Obviously, I'm assuming a coach would have had a big influence on you at that point, making that transition as well. Um, actually, no, we we didn't actually have a coach at that point. Um, but you know, through contacts that we had abroad and and coaches that weren't our coach but you know we're we're in the the kind of system we would we'd get some advice and some tips from them um but just lots of time on the sand the more you're in the sand running moving jumping uh, the the quicker you adapt to that that environment so yeah lots of reps um lots of reps in the summer lots of reps in the winter um just getting that getting strong for the sand you can be as fit as you want off the sand but you have you really have to have that time in the sand to get to get fit for your sport when in beach volleyball so yeah just lots of practice lots of reps uh, and eventually that fitness comes who's the best hard uh hard hard court surface and who's the best beach ball who are the kind of countries that are kind of leading the way in either um so in the women's game Actually, up there, both indoor and beach, is probably Brazil and USA. I thought uh, I thought I'd seen Brazil quite good yeah. at it. Yeah, they have they have about you know twenty teams that play at a very high level in the World Tour. Um, USA are the same. They've got just that, that depth of of team, um, and yeah, lots of lots of good teams out there. So anytime you come up against them in the World Tour, you know you're going to have a tough game. Um, but the European teams, German, Swiss Swiss teams, they're all starting to to really come strong at, at the highest level as well. So have you played against both those two big? You mentioned Brazil. You mentioned USA. What's your experience of playing against them? Um, we've definitely played against USA. Um, they're just, you don't get away with anything. Um, you've got to work really hard just to win one point when you're up against these teams. And it definitely teaches you a lot. Um, we kind of took from games like that, that you just have to be training at that level consistently to be able to compete and sustain that level in a competition, which is something that we've we've not quite had. Um, so you know you're going to be up against it when you're when you're playing against these teams who are, you know, training twice a day, day in, day out at the highest level. They've got great coaches um, and they've just got that history behind them as well in the game. Um, so, yeah, it's always nice to challenge yourself against these teams, but you know you're going to be up against it. Margin for error, I'd imagine, is like very slim. Can't yeah. believe that ball dipping above the net too much, or absolutely not. It's not going to, it's not, it's not going to end, end well. It's really interesting because I'm trying to get into your headspace of this playing playing volleyball. And the next question I want to ask you is: take me into a moment deep in the trenches, a game that comes back to mind. You could choose any game you want, where you were just thinking, like this is hard, and I'm like, I need to find something. Don't think I've got it. Or you need, to, or your teammates or heads are going down. So a leadership moment, and you've managed to, or you, you personally have managed to lift your game as well as your team. Anything that comes to mind? I think, um, and this is just through lots of practice, lots of failure, and and kind of working out what works for you as a team. 
is um, just that focusing on the next point and your next action. Um, no amount of kind of um, dwelling on the past and what's just happened is going to help you for the next the next moment. So it's just that forward focus. Um, and yeah, supporting your teammate. There's just the two of you out there. So if someone's having a hard time, then you've just got to support them. And that's where that team dynamics and a team element comes into a lot more on the beach as well. Um, because if one of you's having a hard time um, and the other one's not supportive, then it can be a really difficult time for you both. So, um, yeah, just that support um, giving each other that confidence um, and just a lot of um, you get a lot of confidence from the way you prepare as well. So that tra- practicing doing that in training and knowing what works to get out of those situations is really helpful. Yeah, because when you you get a lot of players, I use tennis for an example, they're like the best in the world at singles, and you put them in a doubles team, and it you know it does it doesn't work. And you you've gone from playing in a team of six on the court at one point to just two. So I'd imagine you 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 have to kind of really get to know your partner, like you know not just on the court but off the court as well, that you're kind of really well connected with each other on, on that front is that important do you off the off the pitch off the court try and spend did you try and spend a lot of time together yeah 100 percent. I think beach volleyball is one of these sports that if you if you don't get on with your partner it will be more difficult um so we do you know we try and work on some team things off court as well and try and bring them onto the court but it, you're spending so much time with each other when you're traveling when you're competing when you're training so yeah it's it's going to be very difficult if you don't get on with each other but also if you don't have those solutions to um to challenges so when times get tough knowing how each other reacts to certain situations um, knowing what each other's values are and how we behave in certain situations is also really important so that we we can understand what each other needs um, and know how to react um, you know, Mel will probably act a situation slightly different to I would, but we both need different things in those situations. And as long as we both know that, then we, we can get out of a situation pretty quickly. So, um, and, you know, the longer you play with each other, the the more experience you get in these these tough situations, which makes you a stronger team and a, a tougher team to break down. Listening to you, you strike me as, you know, you mentioned your leadership style earlier. So I know I can, I can tell now by talking to you, you would never have been one of them, shouting and ranting at the other teammates to get themselves in order. You seem to just be able to process things really well and then put it across. I can imagine you just being that calming influence, but getting your points across that are needed to the team at the same time. I'm not saying sometimes everyone doesn't need to kick up the backside. That works as well sometimes, but your approach, I think, is why you've managed to be in leadership for for so, for, for a long period of time because you've got that. Every time I've tried to kind of probe to get your emotional side out you're very you're just you're very leveled and balanced and which is really important in in high level sport something else you touched on earlier on and I wanted to ask the question but I thought we'd go through the kind of sport and things you've done in the sport prior to asking that but you mentioned funding you mentioned kind of this what where does volleyball sit just now in Scotland what kind of stamp does it have in Scottish sport do we have lots of clubs out there and enough people playing it does it have enough funding yeah I mean you would always argue that your your own sport needs more I think it's a sport that's definitely growing um and actually 
with the beach side of things, I think with it getting into the Commonwealth Games and us now having a high performance outlet for the sport, the profile is has been driven a lot more, you know, on social media, on TV. We had a lot of coverage of beach volleyball on TV, on the BBC, you know, over the last year or so. And I think unless, you know, unless you see these sports on TV, people don't know that they're available. Um, but in terms of the grassroots and community stuff, we've got we've got clubs, uh, we've got some clubs doing some great things. Um, and I think it's just um, creating these opportunities for more people. Um, I think we're really good at attracting people to our sport who are interested in sport, but it's it's tackling how we introduce our game to to more people, people who are not playing our sport. Um, because I think it's got a lot to offer specifically around that social element. Um, beach volleyball is obviously outside, so it's a great opportunity to get active outdoors. And it's just really harnessing these these advantages and these benefits of our sport. Um, so, yes, we can always do more. Um, but I think we're definitely on the up and there's lots of great things happening in volleyball. Great to hear. You, once you kind of finished up playing, you stayed from, you know, from what I can tell you, you've stayed in the... Uh, or you, I know. I think you were playing side by side while you were doing other things as well. It's, um, so you were regional. You took a regional development officer role up for um, Scottish volleyball. Yeah. Um, tell me how that came about, and were you still juggling that as well as you're playing at the same time? Yeah. So I started working for Scottish volleyball in 2014. Um, Previous to that, I'd been playing professionally indoor volleyball across Europe. Um, I actually had a bit of a transition year where I, I did my master's in strength and conditioning at Northumbria Uni. And then it was when I came back to Scotland, I got uh, got the job with Scottish volleyball. I was just really keen to, to give back to the sport. Didn't think I'd be there for seven, the seven years that I was. Um because I just loved it. I loved the opportunity to work in my own sport. I don't think many people get that opportunity so um working with the governing body to develop volleyball and beach volleyball um was was a great a great time really enjoyed it working with some great people um and then over, only recently have now got a new job with sport scotland as a partnership manager again working in community sport and um yeah really enjoying that so the the the, the role now is that that's a wider role now yeah. you're working so what's what sports are you working with so I don't work directly with any sports. Um, I've got a bit of a project management role um, with community sport hubs. So again, um, working with uh, clubs and community organisations uh, or working with a network of community sport hub officers who work with community organisations to develop sport and use sport to um, to achieve wider outcomes um, for people in local communities. Um, so it's a really enjoyable, really enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. It's really good. It's a nice change, a new challenge, and working with um, great people as well. So I've seen recently as well. You did the uh, Sports Scotland Young Ambassadors Conference. Um, yeah. We that's how I actually I've, I've I've managed to connect with you. First, I've seen you. You did the conference a conference before I did the conference in Glasgow. And then I was telling you before we came on, the lovely Rona McLeod was full of compliments for you. Um, and then we got connected from there. How did you enjoy, you must take a lot of pleasure from that as well, because you're part of the, the governing body now and seeing the work that's going into it and where these young ambassadors are going. Oh, what what a brilliant experience that was, just to be a really small part of it. Um, 
Yeah, I'd known a little bit about Young Ambassadors before uh, before I went along, but I had no idea the kind of scale and the work that they did. Um, and um, amazing, amazing group of young people that I got the opportunity to meet um, and just the confidence that they had to deliver um, to deliver the sessions to their peers, um, I thought was brilliant. And I think showed me that young people are a real asset um, for sport across the country and we really need to to utilize them um to develop sport and uh, the benefits of sport i think something that stood out for me um was it was asking them do you actually get listened to when yeah. you put stuff forward because i've seen so many of these young groups put together it looks good but then the, the powers above maybe don't take on board really what they're saying and it sounds like they really are listening and I think it's so important because talking to three of them on a podcast recently, they knew more about most things than I did. You yeah. know, their knowledge is incredible. Is, do you think that's something that's really important that, that young people should be involved more in decision making? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the more we can get them into uh, club committees, those leadership positions that are making decisions on sport, um, the more we can start to attract more young people to sport. And, you know, they are the future of sport. So uh, why not get them involved? Um, but I think it's just uh, listening to them and talking to them to to find out what what it is that would attract them to get involved in these roles and, and creating that environment for them. I think I've already heard, I don't know the names, in it, but quite a few of them that have been on, on the YPSBs have gone on and already are in leadership roles and, Quite a, different, a few different sports across Scotland. That's ultimately what you what, what you what you want to strive to see from these uh, from these young ambassadors moving forward. Yeah, absolutely, and I think the conferences were a, a great platform to do that. Um, I think I hope that they they got a lot of confidence from that opportunity to work with others from other schools, other areas, uh, and realise their potential. Because yeah, they can they can, as I said, be a real asset to the growth of sport um, across communities across Scotland. So yeah, really looking forward to what that group achieve over the next year and and beyond. It's been um, it's been really interesting. Um, I'm, I'm I was. I was thinking to myself I probably could ask you about another 20 30 questions about the general rules and that's I don't mean that's quite yeah, I, don't, I don't under I, I, I think I've got a good I think I understand the beach volleyball easier when I'm when, when I'm when I'm watching that but I'm going you know maybe now that I, I might ping you the odd question and just ask you the next time I'm watching volleyball at least I now know a professional volleyballer if you don't mind if yeah. the odd question um but yeah it was just interesting to hear um, about the kind of way the sport, you know, the way you came through in the sport, the challenges that you play taking on volleyball. It sounds like it's got a lot of, you know, you need to probably put in a lot of your own time, a lot of your own effort out with being financed, I'd imagine, um, yeah. to do it. So what's your advice to any young boy or girl out there who wants to play volleyball? How's the best way to go on and become a professional volleyball player? Um, I think my advice would always be not to be afraid to put yourself out with your comfort zone. Um, I think that's the only place that you learn and you develop. Um, and just ask questions. Ask questions of people who've who've been out there and done it because they'll be able to give you some advice on who the right people to contact would be, what the right pathway to be, what to do next. Um, so yeah, don't be afraid to put yourself out there um, and challenge yourself. 
for sure out with your comfort zone a lot of the time in volleyball you end up in a, a group of people who are maybe not challenging your level or challenging your thinking so um, go and seek those opportunities to get better good advice I think it's great advice don't stay in your comfort zone if you want to go on and play at a top level challenge yourself all the time kind of like what you do in any area of life so love that advice it's been a pleasure um, having having you on then maybe we can talk again sometime in the future who knows what you're going to do next still got obviously an exciting role with Sports Scotland but I'll be following you closely and if I see you involved in anything that is very interesting I may may come back to you to get you on to get you on the podcast but thank you ever so much for, uh, for, for, for giving your time this evening and having a chat thanks so much thanks for inviting me on it's been great to chat thank you